0: Welcome to this podcast by The Rocks Church. We hope you find it challenging and inspiring. For more information, visit therocks.church. Well, good morning, beautiful people. How are we going today? I hope you're all traveling well. Are you glad to be here this morning? I certainly am. It's wonderful to be together again on this absolutely gorgeous, sunny Sunday Easter morning to celebrate what is without doubt the single most important event, not only on the Christian calendar, but in human history. In fact, I said to our team just prior to our gathering this morning that in a lot of ways, this is kind of like Super Bowl Sunday for the church. Right? This is like grand final weekend because this is the main event. This is the single most important moment, certainly in our Christian calendar, in our series of celebrations. But more than that, it is the most important moment in human history, because for the first time in human history, somebody died and was buried and was raised back to life. Never to die again. That, friends, is the single most important thing that has happened in the last 2,000 years. And it has completely reframed how we understand life, death, life after death, who God is, what God is doing, and what that means for you and for me. So let that truth sink in this morning as you contemplate the fact that for the first time in human history, somebody was resurrected. And what a wonderful truth that is to celebrate. It's confronting, it's surprising, it's astonishing, it's mystifying, but it's exhilarating and it's exciting because the implications are so far reaching for all of us today. Now I'm sure many of you, if not all of you are familiar with the name Prince Philip. Give me a wave if you know who Prince Philip is. Yep, Prince Philip. Everyone know the name? Prince Philip was the late husband and the recently, um, uh, of the recently deceased Queen Elizabeth. And he was both like, famous and infamous for a whole lot of different reasons. But one of his great claims to fame was that he held one of the longest official royal titles in the world. So Prince Philip's official royal title was this. His Royal Highness, the Prince Philip, Duke of Edinburgh, Earl of Merioneth, Baron Greenwich, Royal Knight of the Most Noble Order of the Garter, Extra Knight of the Most Ancient and Most Noble Order of the Thistle, Member of the Order of Merit, Grand Master and First and Principal Knight Grand Cross of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire, Knight of the Order of Australia, Additional Member of the Order of New Zealand, Extra Companion of the Queen's Service Order, Royal Chief of the Order of Logahoo, Extraordinary Companion of the Order of Canada. Extraordinary Commander of the Order of Military Merit. Lord of Her Majesty's Most Honorable Privy Council. Privy Councillor of the Queen's Privy Council for Canada. And Personal Aid to Come to Her Majesty. And Lord High Admiral of the United Kingdom. Oh my gosh, right? Talk about a crazy title. I thought uh, Daniel's official title of His Holiness, the Most Right Reverend Bishop Indrajaya, was... Uh, was <laughs> Long and presumptuous until I read this one. Now, you may or may not be aware of this, but in the Bible, there are over 198 different titles and epithets used for Jesus, the one whom we are celebrating today. Some of them are quite common and familiar to us, like Lord and Savior and Redeemer. Others are a bit more obscure and a little less familiar, like Alpha and Omega or Bright Morning Star. And the title that Jesus used to refer to himself most often was the title son of man, which literally just means child of humanity. Literally uh, uh, one of you, I guess is a good way to say it. But certainly for me, my personal favorite has to be the title that we're considering this morning and it's this one, the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I think you have to admit that's a pretty awesome title. It just sounds formidable and, and powerful. And the origin of this title dates all the way back to the Bible's very first book, the book of Genesis, to some 2,000 years before Jesus even arrived on the scene. And it was first alluded to in a prophetic word that Jacob spoke over his son Judah. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament Hebrew history, you'll know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were the three founding patriarchal figures of the Jewish people. And Jacob had 12 sons, one of whom was named Judah. And one day under the guidance and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Judah or Jacob spoke these words over his son Judah. And this is what he said in Genesis chapter 49, verse eight to 11. He said, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah, And you return from the prey, my son, like a lion. He crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. And then notice these words. He goes on to say, the scepter will not depart from Judah. The scepter is a symbol of royal authority. Nor the ruler's staff from beneath his feet until he to whom it belongs shall come. And the obedience of the nations shall be his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine and his robes in the blood of grapes. Right. So here in this very kind of interesting vivid imagery and powerful prophecy, Jacob essentially announces that Judah and more particularly the descendants of Judah would be rulers and kings in Israel. And we know with the advantage of hindsight from history that this was in fact true, that there was a long line of kings who ruled and reigned in Israel as descendants of Judah. But the prophecy alludes to the fact that there would one day be a king who would not only rule the people of Israel, but who would command the obedience of the nations. In other words, a king who would rule the world, the obedience of the nations, shall be his says the prophecy now this particular prophetic promise and the many others that followed it in the years and the centuries afterwards came to create a what we call messianic expectation amongst the people of israel we've spoken a bit about that messianic expectation in our series in luke but the word messiah literally just means anointed one and it was used in reference to these hebrew kings but the word messiah became synonymous with this prophetic promise and this future expectation that God would one day raise up a king who would not only rule in Israel, but who would rule the world, a king who would command the obedience of the nations. And of course, again, we know with the advantage of hindsight and with history that God did indeed fulfill this promise. God was faithful to his word and he did raise up a king. And that King is none other than the Jesus we are celebrating today. In fact, over in the book of Revelation, which is the Bible's last book, in chapter 5, John the Apostle announces with clarity and unambiguity the fact that it is this resurrected Jesus who is in fact the Lion of the tribe of Judah. So reading from verse 1 of Revelation chapter 5, John the Apostle, in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, under the guidance and inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is shown a vision of heaven. He literally catches a glimpse into the very throne room of God. And this is what he saw. It says, then I saw the right hand or in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll but no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside then one of the elders said to me do not weep see the lion of the tribe of Judah The root of David has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. Wow. So do you notice what's happening there? John in the spirit on the Lord's day has this vision of heaven and he glimpses the very throne room of God and he sees God sitting on the throne holding in his hand a sacred scroll that has been sealed up and nobody before the throne of God is worthy to open it and to read it. And so this causes John to grieve and he begins to weep and he weeps until one of the elders comes up to him and says, John, don't weep anymore. Don't be sad. Don't be downcast because somebody has emerged. Somebody has arrived. Somebody has prevailed. There is somebody who is worthy to open the sacred skull. And it is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then as John looks up and turns to see what the elder is talking about, he does not see a lion. He sees a lamb. A lamb as though it has been slain. friends, the point is precisely this, that it's the lamb that is the lion. The lion of the tribe of Judah is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb who was crucified on Friday was raised to life as the lion on Sunday. And as we read through the rest of Revelation and the rest of the New Testament account, it's abundantly clear that this lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is none other than Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Now, the fact that Jesus was raised to life as the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy, as the lion of the tribe of Judah, has very significant implications for you and for me and for our entire world. And there are two in particular that I want to just throw the spotlight on with you this morning because they are the two most important, the two most significant. And they are captured beautifully, and I guess somewhat poetically in the words of the original prophecy that were given by Jacob to Judah over 4,000 years ago. And the first implication is this. It's expressed in the words, your brothers will praise you. Your brothers will praise you. The point or the implication being that all of us will one day acknowledge and recognize and worship Jesus as King judah your brothers will praise you and you see the point here friends is simply this that regardless of what you might think or feel about jesus whether you love him or hate him whether you are drawn to him or feel indifferent towards him there is going to come a day when every single person will have to acknowledge that by virtue of his resurrection god has appointed jesus as king of all kings and lord of all lords jesus is earth's designated new ruler and he has as he says in his own words been given all authority in heaven and on earth jesus is god's appointed king now paul in the apostle uh, the apostle paul in the new testament kind of gives it some more language and some clarity when he writes in philippians chapter 2 verse 9 to 11 and he says therefore God has exalted him. Who is the him that he's talking about? It's Jesus. God has exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, friends, the point that Paul is making here is that God is not running a democracy. You and I did not get to choose who God appoints to power over the universe. We did not vote Jesus into office. We did not get to elect him. We did not get to decide who it is that God appoints to the highest place in heaven and on earth. God did. God decided. God appointed God elected, God chose. We simply are called and commanded to recognize that truth and then to submit and surrender our lives to the authority of Jesus, to bring our lives under His leadership and His Lordship, to surrender our hearts to His wisdom and to His grace and to His kindness and to His presence in our lives. You see, think about it this way. If you are currently employed or ever have been employed, you will know that one of the difficult things about being employed is you cannot choose your boss. Very, very rarely do you get to choose your manager. And the reason why that's significant is because your boss or your manager can make life at work either thoroughly enjoyable or deeply intolerable, right? Some of you know that to be true because right now you're living through that pain, right? Take a moment to think about who the worst boss is that you have ever worked for i hope for your sake it's not the boss you have right now (laughs) but think about that who is the worst boss you have ever had to work for and why is it that you hated working for him or for her i can guarantee you it's probably because they were mean and unfair and unrealistic in their expectations and made you feel like they cared more about the company than they did about you and maybe didn't support you and encourage you and affirm you maybe they were rude and grumpy and miserable right well think about who the best boss is that you have ever worked for? Who is the best person that you have ever worked for over the course of your career? And what was it about that person that you loved working for them? I can almost guarantee you it's because they were kind and they were generous and they were loving and they were supportive and they were affirming and they made you feel valuable. And they made you feel like they cared more about you than they did about the company. And they had your back, they were for you, not against you. Right? And if you got the option to choose your boss Hands down, every single time, you would choose someone like that. You would choose someone like that. Now, here's the good news, friends. The truth of the matter is we did not choose Jesus. We did not elect Him into power. We did not vote Him into the role of ruler of the universe. We did not give Him all authority. God did. God did that. But Jesus is better than the best boss you have ever had, right? Jesus is the leader the world has been waiting for. Because Jesus is kind and he is patient and he is merciful and he is for you, not against you. And he does have your best interests at heart. And he has already demonstrated through what he was willing to do on the cross of Calvary, how far he will go to love you and to redeem you and to save you and to provide for you and to protect you. Friends, I cannot for the life of me think why anyone would not want to follow a leader like that why would you not want to bring your life under his guidance under his wisdom under his care under his protection under his provision jesus is amazing he is beautiful he is wonderful he is incomparable and he has been appointed as god's ruler of heaven and earth friends listen if you have put faith in any other political power or any other political person your faith is misguided because no one will be able to lead you like Jesus will. No one will be able to love you the way Jesus loves you. No one will ever know you as completely and thoroughly as the way he knows you. And no one will ever lay down their lives for you the way he did. He is the leader the world is waiting for. And the only right thing to do is to bring your life in its totality and submit it and surrender it to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in him. Receive him as your Lord and your leader and allow his wisdom to guide your life. Build your life on the wisdom of his word. Allow his teaching to shape you and mold you and change you. And take a moment, friends, to think about how that might radically change our world. Can you imagine what life on earth would be like if every single person who called this planet home accepted Jesus as their Lord and leader? And if everybody lived the way he lived and loved the way he loved, and treated others the way he treated us? Can you imagine how different life would be? That, friends, is the good news. That, friends, is the gospel. You see, the message of the gospel is not good news about how you and I get saved. It is good news about how Jesus became king. In other words, it is his story, not our story. The gospel may be good news for us, but it's not good news about us. It's good news about Jesus and about his appointment The highest place of authority in heaven and on earth, the fact that He is God's designated ruler. And so the only appropriate response is to submit and surrender, to honor and obey, to recognize and acknowledge Jesus is Lord. And not only is He Lord of the cosmos, but He's Lord of my heart. Not only is He Lord of the universe, but He's Lord of my everyday. Not only is He Lord of all creation, but He is Lord of my being. And He can be your Lord too. And you and I have the choice and the chance to receive Him as Lord right now here today. And so we should. Not only is it the right thing to do, but friends, it is the best thing you can do. Because as we say so often here, following Jesus as Lord not only makes life better, but it makes you better at life. Amen. All right. So that's the first implication. And then the second implication is expressed equally beautifully and poetically in the next line of the prophecy, which says your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. And the implication here is that this lion of the tribe of Judah is and will be a victorious conquering king. And you and I will get to share in the victory of our victorious conquering king. You see, the first implication is quite active. It, it requires that you and I do something in response to this truth that Jesus is alive and Jesus is Lord. We have to bring our lives and submit and surrender our lives to His Lordship and His leadership. We need to put our faith and our trust in Him. But this second implication is quite passive in the sense that it's something you and I get to receive, something you and I get to experience and enjoy as a result of our active commitment to that first implication. And what this is telling us here is that as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, as the victorious conquering king, will ultimately triumph over the enemies of God and the enemies of humanity. Again, Paul the Apostle writing in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 puts us in the language we can understand. In verse 24 to 26, he says, Then the end will come. Talking about the end of human history as we know it. When He, Jesus, hands over the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdoms of this world, to the Father after He has destroyed all illegitimate dominion, authority, and power. For He, Jesus, must reign until He has put all enemies under His feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is and will be death. So notice Paul is echoing the same sentiment here, that there is coming a day... When Jesus as our victorious conquering king will put all the enemies of God and all the enemies of humanity underneath his feet and deal decisively with them once and for all. In other words, friends, things that wage war against your soul, things that seek to undermine you and oppress you and afflict you and discourage you. Things like sin and Satan, the devil himself and evil and wickedness and sickness and disease and suffering and pain. And sorrow, all these things that are antithetical to the nature and character of God and antithetical to the kingdom of God. All these things that stand as enemies of God and enemies of humanity will one day decisively be dealt with. And all pain and all sickness and all suffering and disease and sin will be wiped away. And all of creation will be restored and renewed and liberated from the effects of sin and death and you and I will get to share in that victory. Now understanding this victory and how we participate in it requires that we understand the difference between immediate victory and ultimate victory. Because immediate victory and ultimate victory are not the same thing. And ultimate victory is infinitely more important than immediate victory. So let me explain it to you like this. Back in the middle of the 20th century, the world went through one of the most horrific conflicts that we now know as World War II. And World War II officially finished on the 2nd of September, 1945. But before the war was over, there were many, many battles fought. Significant battles, deadly battles. And literally tens of millions of people lost their lives in the course of that global conflict. But with the the advantage of history in hindsight we know now that there were two decisive battles in that second world war that turned the course of that war in the direction of an allied forces victory the first was of course the landing of the allied forces at normandy on d-day the 6th of june 1944 that particular battle turned the course of the war in the West. And in similar fashion, the Battle of Stalingrad, which was fought in the East, turned the course of the war in favor of an Allied forces victory over on the Eastern Front. Now friends, those two battles were by no means the final battles. They certainly weren't the only battles but they were the decisive battles. They were the two battles that so changed the trajectory of the course of the war, that allied victory was ultimately inevitable. And friends, what we need to understand is that what we have in Jesus, through His cross, through His crucifixion, and ultimately through His resurrection, is a decisive battle That has turned the course of the war, the war against sin and death, the war against sickness and disease, the war against discouragement and despair, the war against the enemies of God. It has turned the trajectory of that war toward an inevitable and ultimate victory for God and His people. Now we need to realize something this morning, that ultimate victory is far more important than immediate victory. You see, you can have immediate victory in the here and now, but it won't count for much if ultimately you lose the war. Winning a few battles here and now is not gonna serve you well if ultimately in the long run you still lose the war. And conversely if you lose some battles now in the immediate present it's not the end of the world as long as you still win the war and friends sometimes the reality is because we still battle we battle sin we battle discouragement we battle darkness we battle evil we battle wickedness we battle anxiety we battle depression we battle these things sometimes our battle and our struggle in the here and now and the absence of immediate victory causes us to lose sight of the fact that what we have in Jesus is ultimate victory that there is coming a day when all those things that oppose God and harass your soul will be dealt with decisively once and for all. And you should never let, never let the absence of immediate victory in your life eclipse the reality of your ultimate victory. You take death for example. Every single one of us are gonna fight a battle with death. Every single one of us in this room and every single one of us watching online, we're gonna fight a battle with death and every single one of us is gonna lose. But here's the good news. The war on death has already been won. Because even though death still has the power to take you, it no longer has the power to keep you. Death has to release you and give you up to the resurrection life that became yours when you pledged your allegiance to Jesus as King. So you may lose the battle to death, but you have already won the war. And you may lose some battles in this life, to sickness and disease. But you have already won the war because there is a day coming when you are going to receive a brand new body, a glorified, perfected, sin-free, pain-free, sickness-free, disease-free body in the new creation, in the life after this. You may lose some battles in this life to despair and discouragement, Depression and anxiety, but there is coming a day when your soul will be set free from every form of darkness this world has ever known, and you will know life and light and peace and joy <laughs> like you've never known it before. Friends, don't ever let the absence of immediate victory. And the intensity and the struggle of the battle cause you to lose sight that we have ultimately won the war. Jesus has already emerged victorious and you one day will share in his victory. And today you and I can have hope, we can have expectation, we can live with joy because of that reality. That's why the writer to the Hebrew says that no longer do we need to live in the fear of death because Jesus has triumphed over death. That, friends, is the implication of the resurrection. And so today, you and I have the choice and the chance to put our faith and our trust in our resurrected Lord. I know for many of you in the room and for many of you listening online, you've already done that. I know that you have received Jesus as Lord and you are endeavoring to love Him and serve Him and follow Him and honor Him and worship Him through your everyday living. But I know that's not true for everyone in the room. And I know that's not true for everyone listening online. And yes, there will come a day when you will have to acknowledge Jesus is Lord, but you have the choice and the chance to do it now, to do it today. And I cannot think of any good reason why you would not. Following Jesus is the most wonderful thing. And so today, we're gonna pray together In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes and join me as we pray for two groups of people. I want to pray first this morning for anyone who might be here who has never, perhaps because they haven't had the opportunity or the inclination, has never received Jesus as Lord. Maybe you've never bowed your heart and your life before Him and acknowledged Him as God's designated ruler over your life and over the world. Maybe you've never submitted and surrendered to His leadership and His Lordship and His wisdom. Maybe you've never experienced His grace and His kindness and His mercy. Well, today that experience can be yours. So I wanna pray for you. But today, we also wanna join our hearts together in faith and agreement for anyone here today who is facing a significant battle. Because it's possible that today you are facing a battle in your body with sickness and disease. And maybe today you feel like you're losing that battle maybe some of you today are facing a battle right now with depression and anxiety or discouragement and despair and maybe today you feel like you're losing that battle maybe you feel overwhelmed by that reality maybe you feel weak in the struggle maybe you're facing some significant struggle with temptation and addiction in your battle with sin well i believe that today god wants to lift your head and open your eyes and allow you to see again the lion of the tribe of Judah, resurrected, glorified, and exalted over your life. He wants your heart to be filled again with a guarantee of ultimate victory, but He wants you also to live in expectation of the possibility of immediate victory. Because with Jesus on the throne, the impossible can become possible. The unbreakable can become breakable the circumstance and situation that you're in can be changed. So won't you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning all across this auditorium. And those of you listening online, just join in with us for a moment. And here's what I'm going to invite you to do. If you are for the first time saying, Tim, I want to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I've never received Him as Lord. I've never recognized His authority. But I recognize now that God is commanding everyone everywhere to receive Him as Lord. Today, I want to do that. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so I can see who you are and where you are. Not because we're out to embarrass you or draw attention to you. Nobody's looking around the auditorium. But there is something powerful and meaningful about demonstrating your response to God. And in addition to that, I want to invite you if today you are facing a significant battle in some area of your life and maybe even today feeling like you're losing that battle feeling like you're overwhelmed by the circumstance and the situation you're in we want to put our hearts together and believe in faith with you for God to show up in your world and to do something only he can do to turn that situation around for your good and for his glory and I'm going to invite you to raise your hand as well to join with those who raise their hands so right now while every head is bowed and eyes closed if that's you and you're saying Tim would you include me please in this moment of prayer won't you raise your hand right now and just keep it up for a moment all across the auditorium that's right keep it up for a moment That's right. God bless you. God bless you. Keep it up for a moment all across the auditorium. Those of you who are faithful followers of Jesus, join with me as we pray this morning. Father, I thank you for every hand raised. I thank you. You know each person by name. You know their story. You know their journey. You know what they're facing. You know the hopes and the fears. God, I thank you that right now you are overshadowing them with your presence and you are filling them with your love. And I pray, God, today that you would give each one the assurance that you are in fact for them, not against them. That you are here to redeem them and to save them, to protect them and to provide for them. For those who are reaching out to you today for the first time in submission and surrender, God, I pray that you pour out your love and your mercy and your grace on them and that you bring them fully and truly into your kingdom. I pray, God, that they would know that they are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that they are ambassadors of God on earth that they are representatives of your family here and now. And I pray that they would live forever in the reality of that truth until the day they see you face to face. And God, for those who today are reaching out to you for miraculous intervention, for your provision and your protection, Father, we pray, show yourself strong, reveal your power, pour out your glory, God, intervene in their circumstance and turn that situation around to bring honor and glory to your name and to bring life and blessing to them to their families and we ask all these things in the beautiful wonderful name of our resurrected lord and savior jesus and everyone who agreed said amen thank you for listening to this podcast for more great resources and to keep yourself up to date head to our website visit the